This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Hi, and welcome to episode 101. We are here of TLC Tech Learn Coffee, a proud member of the EduMatch Podcast Network. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, a fifth grade teacher here in South Monterey County in California. I know who would ever have thought that we would get to 101 episodes. Hooray! <laughs> uh, I'm Nancy Minnie Coetzee. I'm an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. And just as a reminder, last time's episode accepted, uh, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got time for more than that. Yes, and we hope you enjoyed our 100th episode. We had a blast making it. Um, So today's coffee fact is that coffee is the most consumed beverage in the United States, even more than tap water. In fact, in 2015, coffee-related activity accounted for 1.6% of the U.S. GDP. We will have the link to the source in our show notes, along with the really great infographic by the National Coffee Association, uh, showing the impact of coffee on the U.S. economy. Yes, we will. So today's guest is Eric Hawkinson, and he will be talking to us about immersive learning design. So Eric, go ahead, tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Nancy. My name's Eric. I grew up in Arizona, uh, but I've been living in Japan for the last 15, well, geez, it's been 17 years now. Um, and I, before I came to Japan, I was in IT, and I came to Japan, became an educator, and all those worlds kind of crashed together. And for the last oh, 15, uh, sorry, 10 years or so, been kind of working on different ed tech stuff. Started out in ebooks. I quickly realized that 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 the content I was creating, that video, that quiz stuff, was um, able to be used in something called augmented reality. So I started creating augmented reality contents. Oh, something around eight years ago, and that's where I've been focused ever since. And it's been blowing up, um, getting very popular. So there's all types of stuff that's been out, come out of that um, initiative in the last mostly five years or so, Uh, passion projects and everything like that. Immersive learning is basically immersing students in digital content. So mostly people are aware of the term augmented reality, virtual reality. There's other terms like extended reality, diminished reality, um, because a lot of terms haven't been coined just yet. But mostly in the academic world, we've kind of come down on immersive learning as a kind of catch-all phrase or concept or term to kind of catch all of these new technologies used in learning contexts. So by immersive learning, you're talking about augmented reality, virtual reality, and all the other kinds of realities that are separate from, I guess, actual reality. Is that correct? (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a whole spectrum of realities that um, you could say that we're in. I mean, 
even though we're, we're talking right now through a, a electronic medium, so you can technically say that we're not in a complete real world right now because um, I don't know if the listeners can't see it, but I'm actually, my, my, I'm being presented as a virtual avatar, even though we're talking in real time. So that's a mix of some digital form and real form. And that's what really it's all, this kind of study is all about is how the, the, the lines between real and virtual and augmented are kind of blurred. It's turned into sort of, sort of this spectrum and then learning context. Where do we want to be on this spectrum? How much real, how much digital, how much virtual do we want to add in? And that's a lot of the stuff that we're um, thinking about and especially in schools and classrooms and training rooms. Absolutely. So talk to us about some of the advantages of using immersive learning with students. Oh, there's so many benefits. And at this point, there's a lot of potential benefits that could be, you know, um, paradigm shifting uh, in education. And it's very exciting to think about all of the possible advantages, but as like every learning technologist, you know, um, when you, when, especially when you study this stuff, you think when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that virtual and augmented reality is like the solution for every and all learning needs. But I will say that um, because that you're giving an extra amount of agency, an extra amount of immersion, as from the immersion technology, you're actually in the content, you're actually um, feeling like you're a part of it. So you can time travel, you can go the distance, you can put yourself into, for example, the, the, the body of a cell and experience what that might look like visually. So there's all this different stuff that we can get out of it and learning uh, new ways to teach and learn from actually becoming a part of the content. And there's a lot of advantage into that. So that's, that runs the spectrum um, for all K-12 fields, from chemistry to language learning to uh, even special needs. There's uses in um, autism and uh, dyslexia and all types of stuff where you can um, focus content, become a part of the content, and actually gain new insights of the analytics of how the content's being used and implemented. So it kind of sounds like you're talking about for some students making the content more accessible and for others just making it more engaging and meaningful. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot, especially for first-time users, there's a lot of big novelty effect with this technology. It's a new way of seeing and experiencing content in the world around them so that actually sparks interest but if the content's not worth anything that doesn't last very long so you still have to be a good learning designer you still have to learn how to present content in a way that's engaging and and uh, keeps focus uh, but uh, there's also some drawbacks too because um, even though this is been touted as something like an empathy machine where you can give people new experiences maybe for example like a see what it's like in another gender or another time, another race, things like that. Or as an augmented reality, you have just-in-time information even faster and quicker than in the mobile era. Um, there's an accessibility issue within the field as well because it's so tied to our bi biological processes, right? So 
VR headsets need to know your interpupillary distance, like the distance between your pupils, so you can calibrate the machine properly. So if you're um, not a, if your biological parameters aren't in the the first standard deviation of all humans, I mean that that could be an issue for you to actually use these things. Like so, um, we. It allows accessible humans to think access more, but there's still a little gap for people that are, can't te technically use other things. So basically, it's not uh, universally designed stuff yet. Yet, and I think <laughs> I think we're definitely moving in that direction, right? So, um, how how are educators taking advantage of this technology, and how could um, people who aren't taking advantage of it yet get started? Oh, man. So it's, there's a ton of stuff commercially available now, and there's teachers all over the world doing great stuff. And um, in, I, I teach in higher ed, and we do have a research group using it for all types of stuff. I mean, I can I have a litany of stuff. Um, and if you share my website somehow with this podcast, you can go back and see an extensive list of research and projects and initiatives based on this technology. Um, we have a research group here in Japan called MAVER, uh, Mixed Augmented Virtual Realities and Learning, and they're doing a bunch of research initiatives that are really awesome, like um, studying how we can use VR to uh, lessen public speaking anxiety, uh, how we can use augmented reality to enhance uh, learning experiential learning in museums and libraries. Um, there's educators all over the world using this technology for almost every subject that you can think of, actually. Uh, from chemistry to physics to language learning, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it sounds really exciting. And we will definitely have a link to all the information um, that you provided us, the uh, resource links and links to your website in our show notes. So um, if I wanted to get started, would I just kind of search for immersive learning or would I go to your website or how would I get started? Um, well, yeah, you could go to my website. I have a list of like um, beginner commercial apps that you can get started. I know that you had a previous guest on this podcast that introduced something called CoSpaces. Yes. I don't know. And um, that's a very popular one for K-12, for creating a very simple virtual environments. So you can go and create your own little video game world or um, a scene, as they call it, when you can put virtual objects in there and have like a kind of like a one-room virtual museum. That's a, that's a good place, a uh, good one to start. Um, Merge Cube is also very popular. Uh, it's a cube that you hold in your hand and you can use an augmented reality app to turn it into any object you want. So you can hold a human heart in your hand or um, other uh, historical artifacts. I personally have a pr passion project that I started because all these commercial options usually have two varieties to them. They have a paid subscription model or they suck up as much data as possible, which is very uh, bothersome and worrisome for teachers, of course. So I started this project uh, four years ago to have an open source privacy by design option for teachers. It's called orientation. So if it's orientation, you just change the first O to A, so AR, 
Mm-hmm. And it's just basically it's just a set of playing cards. You can play poker or go fish with them, but they're enhanced for computer vision algorithm. And I've connected it to the Google API. So all you have to do is fill out a Google form and connect digital contents to these playing cards. And with that basic premise, uh, students in my classrooms are creating like uh, gamified tour experiences for tourism here in Kyoto City, where I live. Uh, they're creating new types of games. They're creating, um, uh, they have this open campus experience thing where they put these posters all around campus and the app kind of gives personal stories of things that happens all around campus. So you can kind of, you can connect digital contents to things all around them. And I have a whole litany of projects that I've been working with schools all around the world using this kind of technology and and trying to connect all things digital, uh, things like a shared augmented reality art space or a, um, a way to inspire other students to share video content and audio content, et cetera, et cetera. And that's orientation.com. That's also on my website too. So that's the three co-spaces. Sorry if I'm going too long. Co-spaces, Merch Crew, and Orientation. So, and we will have links to all of those. And we'll also link to our podcast where we talked about co-spaces. So one question, uh, Lisa had a question. Do you need headsets to get started or can you use a computer? Um, yeah, you can, most stuff uh, vir- virtually you can use a PC. Um, augmented reality right now goes through has to go through a camera, which means usually you need a mobile device. So most thing most teachers using augmented reality in classrooms either are supplying tablets or using some sort of BYOD kind of system. Um, but if you really want to just to get started right away, you can get something like Google Cardboard. Um, again, that's very cheap and it's not calibrated to your eyes and it's um, got like plastic lenses in it. So you can't use those. I wouldn't recommend using those for more than five to 10 minutes at a time, but you, that's good enough to kind of experience a 3D video, try to do a virtual tour with your students, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Google did sunset their daydream platform. So it's kind of up in the air where the cardboard is going to be still. um, It's kind of like open source now. So who's going to be developing with it and how that develops is kind of up in the air right now, but it's still a good place to get your feet wet, Google cardboard. And then those other augmented reality apps I mentioned earlier, it's a good place to get started as well. Well, that's great. And that was our timer. So we have about a minute to sum up any final thoughts or things you'd like to share. <laughs> um, One minute. Right. One minute. <laughs> um, well, I, I've been trying to get across, when I do a lot of public speaking about this, about the possible downsides of this technology. So I'd like to try to get out, put out into the world where while this is very um, exciting potentially as a tool for teachers and learners and educators, there are some possible downside effects and we're already seeing them in mobile learning and internet learning and that's issues of data collection, privacy, um, uh, psychological features that are that are taking over our young generation as far as like presenting themselves in a different way online and having having to reconcile that with their real world. And all of those things that we see in the mobile world have a, have a chance to be exacerbated when we start to go deeper into these uh, realities, plural, um, with these uh, new technologies. So um, 
some a, a little more digital citizenship, a little more uh, advocacy for uh, net neutrality, and um, a little less on the digital divide is going to be important for teachers to think about as we push this technology forward. Definitely, and those are really important points because it is easy to get excited about something like this because it, it is very engaging and it's different and something that a lot of teachers haven't done, but it is very important to keep that student privacy and those digital citizenship pieces in mind, absolutely. So thank you for reminding us about that. Yes, thank you. And thank you to our listeners. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment uh, to let us know. Today's comment question is, how could you use augmented reality or wait, um, uh, immersive learning, I should say, in, <laughs> um, in your classroom? Yes, we'd love to know about that. So do leave us a comment. Please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you do, please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We are always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks. Thank you.